Welcome to the Scarleteers podcast, where we talk about our favorite show, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Welcome, everybody. We're back on the Scarleteers podcast. I'm Amanda. I'm Isabel. And I'm Lindsay. Lindsay, you're going to start us off today. What is the topic for today? Ooh, so drum roll, please. Uh, this episode, we are talking all things Detective Frank Jenkins and the actor who plays him, Danny Midwinter. And we are very, very excited to have the man himself join us. So welcome, Danny. Welcome, Danny. Yay. Yeah, I'm excited. Yay. I'm excited. So Thank are we. You. We're very excited. Thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure, pleasure. How have you been doing? What have you been up to? Um, I've been uh, 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 nothing really. I've just been hanging around and driving everybody mad. And I helped my mum and dad move to Yorkshire. So and ended up doing the whole job myself because because um, my dad can't do it anymore, even though he thinks he can. So I taunt him and say, you can't do it too old. (laughs) Oh, it's lovely that they've got you to help them then. <laughs> yeah, love my parents, love my mum and dad more than anything in the world. Aww. Yeah. So we have absolutely, I, I have a love-hate relationship with the, obviously Detective Jenkins, but we do like to talk about him and definitely you have made some Scarleteer fans here. Um, so we wanted to kick this off with a little bit about you and how you uh, got into acting. I read on your IMDb that you um, got into acting after uh, working for a house removal firm. So I wondered how how did that turn about? Is this Lindsay? Yes. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. Do you? Do, I mean, how long does this podcast take? Because if you really want the true story, I'll tell you. But it takes a while. I mean, you know, as long as you want. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well. Okay. Well. Um, when I first, I, I've done every job you can think of. And uh, when I finished working on the markets in East London, because I worked all over London, Petticoat Lane and East Street and Queen's Crescent and Club Row and Mile End and all of them, all of the old fashioned ones, um, uh, Labrick Grove, you know, all of those ones. And then I, I had a little mini skip business on a little mini skip lorry. And, um, I was crazy then. I was singing and showing off and playing around and all jokes and this and that. And I dropped a skip off in Hampstead. And this man who was a model agent, his name was Patrick. He, he is Patrick Randolph. And um, and he just said to me, listen, do you want me to throw something at you? And I was like, yeah. And he said, you should be an actor. And it was like an arrow hitting me. And I went, <gasps> This this is what I want to do. I mean, from from a kid, uh, you know, from a kid, I wanted to play football. You know, I played I played at a professional football club in in the youth team, and I went on to Hendon Football Club, and uh, you know, all of that sort of thing. But it was the first time in my life that somebody said something to me, and I was like, "That's what I want to do." And um, because of being on the markets and all that sort of thing. Um, because I, I was working with the audience you know I wasn't just like you know I, I didn't just have a market store I was I would get on the store and say 
you know, come on, ladies and gentlemen, let's try to be a guiding money last thing you part with, you know, and I would auctioneer to them and sell them goods on the on the stall and, you know, and show off and play and this, that and the other. Anyway, um, so when Patrick said that to me, it was like, this is what I want to do. And um, I came home and said, Dad, I know what I'm going to do. And my dad was like, what are you going to do, son? And I said, I'm going to be an actor. And he was like, what? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I won't swear because I won't tell you what my dad said, but the air was blue. He went crazy because my dad was a professional boxer. And you see, and then he, when he retired from boxing, he became a plumber and heater. And, you know, and I was a plumber and heater with him as an apprentice. And he'd say, pass me the hammer and I'd give him a screwdriver. You know, it was, <laughs> I just had no interest in it. And, when I came home and said that, he went nuts. And my mum was like, yes, my mum loved it. Anyway, um, so literally within a week, I was driving through, um, I was driving through Southgate and I parked up, looked through my A to Z, because in those days you just had an A to Z, not a, you know, not a, a sat nav or anything. And I looked to my right and I was looking through the A to Z and I saw Mount View Theatre School and I went, look at that you know it's fate I have like to like a sign yeah so I just I, I had mud all over me you know from to getting the skips off the lorry and stuff like that. and I didn't even think I just walked straight into the school footprints everywhere you could see the <laughs> angry at the front and in those days you know I was a real sort of Londoner you know I was like I, I, my accents slightly changed as I've got older but you know, for no reason, I didn't mean for that to happen, but it just does. But I walked in and just said, where's the governor? And she was like, pardon? <laughs> went, where's, the where's the big wig? You know, where, where's, where's the man? Where's the main man? And she was like, the main man? <laughs> I was like, yes, the governor. She went, do you mean Terry Meach, the head of the head of school? And I was like, that's him. <laughs> like that. And as I said that, he came down the stairs. He heard everything. And um, and he just went, so you want to be an actor, do you? And I said, yes, please. I would love to become an actor. So he took me out the back. He said, do an improvisation. And I said, what does that mean? And he explained it to me. So I did an improvisation, <laughs> um, falling through the ground and trying to hold on with there's a, a volcano, an eruption and an earthquake and I'm pulling myself up. And then he said, sing for me. And I'm not a, not too bad a singer, even though my nan, when she was alive, she was amazing. She she could have won a big competition. Um, Anne Shelton, it was her and Anne Shelton, but she ended up not going to the finals. So my nan didn't sing. And um, and it kind of went through the family a little bit. You know, there's a few singers in my family, but I'm not t I'm not bad. And um, and I sang for him and he really liked it and he liked the improvisation. And then he said, learn a monologue. I learned a monologue. I said, what, what does that mean? You know, and um, and I learned the monologue and then. I went back to the school. I did the monologue for him and he took me on. And six weeks down the line of me being in drama school, um, I had an argument with the teacher and I got thrown out of school. I got thrown out of the uh, Mount View Theatre School and I cried. You know, I was so upset and I loved that. I, I went, well, I've blown it now, haven't I? And two days after I got thrown out of the drama, so I think I got thrown out on the Tuesday. And then on the Thursday, my cousin came over, Jerry Faulkner. And Jerry just went, Danny boy, do you want to, all my family have got nicknames and I'm 
they call me Danny Boy. And he said, Danny Boy, do you want to come on a house removal for the day? And, you know, because he knew I was really upset. And I said, no, nah, I'm going to go back to, you know, delivering skips and blah. And he said, just come on the house removal. Come on, I'll double the money. So I was like, yeah, all right then. And I so luckily moved my agent at that time. And I drove her mad. When when we walked into the house, I saw James Cagney on the wall. And I said, and then I saw someone else on the wall and I saw Sylvester Stone. And I just went, what do you do then? And she said, I'm a, I'm a theatrical agent. And I went, I'm an actor. <laughs> Why are you on here? I said, hey, hey, represent me, please. Like that. And she couldn't get away from me because I was, you know, boxing all her stuff up all day. And put it on the lorry. And I drove her crazy. And at the end of the day, she went, all right, I'll represent you. Like this. And she took me on. And that was it, man. I got into acting from that. And I didn't have to go back to drama school. And I think the first job I got was Drop the Dead Donkey. And I think I had, I think I had one line. And the other guy that I was the right-hand man to was Daniel Craig. Oh wow! Wow! Yeah, he had like forty lines in the in the <laughs> episode, and I had one line. It's my first job, and um, and me and Daniel became friends from that. And I just and you know, and I just carried on, carried on working, and I just booked job after job after that. So I was really, it was it was fate. Wow! Definitely. Wow. <laughs> It's a true story. I swear to God, it's all true. It was unbelievable. This it, should it, be it, made it, into a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> God, I wish. Like all the stars kind of aligned to get you in the right place. They did. They did. And my dad was like, you're not being an actor. <laughs> <laughs> like, it does me. seem like something a parent wouldn't necessarily support at one stage. No, but, you know, you're dealing with a man that, had 69 fights, you know, and he's like, you know, he, my dad's got a flat nose and he comes home, you know, from plumbing and heating, really grafting. And I, you know, over time I'm like that. Hello, dad. He's like that. Shut up. Like, <laughs> you know, he's like, we're talking like that for <laughs> Such a Londoner. And he was like, he was like, I was like, dad, you've got to, you know, get your feminine side out. You've got to get, you know, be a, be more, sensitive towards me you know he's like yeah I will I used to just tease him I loved it so so and then you know and then and then I think I think when I did a live it was Drop the Dead Donkey because we 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 filmed it live at the BBC and um my dad's sitting in the audience and as tough as he was um he's sitting there crying he was so proud you know he's like that's my that's my boy that's my son you know he was so he was so proud and yeah he was good as gold after that but my mum is my angel my mum my mum is like you know my rock you know that's sweet yeah she's she's had my back from ever since well all my life but when I wanted to be an actor my mum was really behind me like like you'd never know oh so lovely yeah so that's that one out the way <laughs> <laughs> well, i get emotional because i love my mom so much oh kind of don't know how to proceed with the next question <laughs> i know everything is just going to be either way uphill or way downhill because that was a dinger <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, let's talk a bit about Miss Scarlett and the Duke. You worked with a lot of people in your career, and among them was Declan O'Dwyer, who was the director for season one, and you worked with him on Atlantis, I think. Yes. Um, so we were wondering um, how the casting process was for being cast as Frank in Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Did Declan have anything to do with it or was it a coincidence? No, it was it was pretty much I knew that he was doing the series. And to this day, I just got a call from my agent saying uh, the casting director would like to see you for Miss Scarlet and the Duke. So I was like, that's Declan's series. And I was so excited and um, I learned my lines because I studied method acting for, for seven years with this teacher. He's, he's passed away now, uh, David Bennett. And, and he always, you know, taught me to learn your lines inside out, upside down, back to front, just get your lines in, you know, and, uh, and then go for it. And so I auditioned for it and, and I, I just I just really wanted to do this because of the comedy of Frank. When I read my scenes for the episode or for the audition, rather, I just I just knew that, you know, this is what because I'm always cast as the terrorist or the rapist or the or the hunter or the killer or the murderer or this or that. But then when I when I read this, I just saw everything that I've always loved to do you know with comedy so because because Frank it's all about innocent comedy with Frank it's all about timing anyway I just I auditioned for it and and I and you know I waited for ages and then and then I got the call and um to say you got it and then Declan then rang me and said congratulations you know they looked at your they looked at your tape and And mate, we're going to Ireland. And I was like that. I can't believe it. I, I just, I'm so grateful to you and to everybody, you know. And we went to Ireland and I gave him a big hug because I worked on Atlantis with Declan, but I worked on some, a show called Wire in the Blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Declan. And, um, and so I, I did two jobs for Declan before I, I, when I work with directors, then I get, you know, picked up again sometimes, you know, sometimes I get lucky with that, but Declan is, is, is so special. You know, he, he gets into you and he knows, he knows what I'm thinking before I say it, you know, he really understands an actor. He's the best director I have ever worked for, you know, and I'm just, and I, when I knew that he was directing this and, and then I got the job, I knew, I felt, Almost, you know, you feel safe because some directors can be silent and you don't know whether you're coming or going. You just got to get on with your job. But, you know, when you do, when you shoot a scene, De you know, I'd, I'd give Declan a glimpse every now and then. And he'd just put his finger up to his head and point and give you a little smile, which says everything, you know. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the humor of Frank. Was there anything else? that drew you to the character or that you liked about him that made you wanted to audition for this part? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I without, you know, saying, Oh, I've done this and I've done, but I used to work with John Thor on a series called Kavanaugh QC. I did three years on Kavanaugh and John was in the Sweeney, 
you know, when he played, I don't know if you guys know, but he he, he played Regan, I think it was Regan in the, in the Sweeney and, um, and he had sideburns and, you know, and, and he was like, he, he, he had that silence about him, but that danger about him. And, um, and I just, I just wanted this job so much because there, even though I, I knew that what, you know, that Frank can turn, I, you know, that's the easy bit for me, you know, playing, playing the, the you know the a character that can really switch to a monster i i i i can do that and but the comedy side nobody has ever really given me a chance and um and that's what really really attracted me to to playing frank because it's like when you know when he pokes his head around the corner and sees mm-hmm. lies you know, that's the type of that's the type of comedy that I love because I'm like I'm in trouble, and you can't wing those those moments of magic. You can't wing it. You either f- put your mind to it and feel it, and believe it's happening, or and if you don't, then it it won't come over. You know, you've got to deliver it like that, and and just go for it. So that really really attracted me. All those like little moments of uh oh you know what have I said there and you know those type of moments really really made me go I'd love to do that with you know with Frank so that was why I was more excited than anything of of playing Frank well you did a really great job yeah absolutely nailed it (laughs) there's definitely one of the gifts around of Frank which is just like a bit of an oh crap moment (laughs) yeah we love that one (laughs) Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I just loved it. Loved it. Um, did you do much research into Victorian times or the Scotland Yard of the time? Or did you just trust Rachel and no, you got t- to bring Frank to life? Totally, totally trusted Rachel. Um, didn't do any research for Frank because, you see, I grew up, my mum was pregnant with me and they put her on a rag and bone my uncle Les used to used to be a rag and bone man in London and he had two horses and he galloped her to the hospital (laughs) (laughs) for me and um and you know so so, and then you know when I when I grew up from a little boy you know all my family were boxers my uncle Tommy Faulkner um was the uh after he retired from boxing he then became the most respected trainer in in London, and he he trained he trained a lot of professional fighters at, um, at the Feathers in Notting Hill Gate, and um, so so I'm growing up with these, you know, with these tough guys. But I'm also growing up with a magician. My uncle my uncle Dick was a magician, and he would show me all. But he would dress really old fashioned, and a lot of my family would dress, you know, like like a really old fashioned way. And, and I just understood them. And I understood that kind of era, you know, of, of the, you know, 18th century and all that sort of thing. I just got it. I just understood it. And when I read the character, when I read the script, I was just like, I'm just going to roll with this with, with Rachel, you know, and go with it. But yeah, so, so I, I completely trusted in her. And obviously, you know, her writing it was so wonderful because when you know a great script, you see, I'm dyslexic. So when I read a script, 
um, it, it frustrates me because sometimes I miss out and and the and I have to go back and read the sentence again, you know, because it, it annoys. I'm not that bad, but I, I used to be terrible. But now I'm much, much better. So but when I read Rachel's work, I was flying through the pages because she just knew her stuff. And the the way that she wrote things, you know, the way that she wrote, wrote ca- all the characters um relaxed me completely that's why you know whatever characters that I was working you know with on the floor then the the dialogue would just bounce it was that good can I just say one more thing about about that question as well is that you know don't forget I, I when I grew up auctioneering on the markets you know in in London when I was you know, when I was like, because I got a trader's license at nine years old, I was the youngest kid to get a trader's license because all the other all the other trade market boys wanted me to get the license. They went to the Tower of Hamlets and I got my license. But I was working with really old fashioned people, you know, and, uh, you know, I'd eat dry, I'd eat um, hot roasted nuts at like six in the morning with a cup of coffee. So it was like I grew up around, you know, all the all the brick lane and all the old fashioned you know in those days and I grew up through that whole period of it still being really old-fashioned so I really got that feeling of of being in that in that era you know Mm. it definitely felt like Frank was very kind of East End London kind of you, you felt like he'd lived that life yeah thank you yeah yeah and I'm nothing like that with with you know with frank when you see me you're like you know i'm shaved clean shaven short hair and i'm like you're like is that the same guy (laughs) it's not the same um you know but i just soon as i put that costume on soon as i you know got into it i was like come on in let's go you know (laughs) (laughs) this old frankie boy let's go you know i just loved it i loved it best one best job I think best job I've I've done is just amazing, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Amazing. Uh, no arguments from us. <laughs> yeah. So I, going back to the sense of humour part, because I like you say I love how you know William the Duke he he bellows and Frank just kind of pops his little head round the round the door and everything. And I've always laughed because I was always like. Like, is his desk like right outside because he just always seems to have the perfect timing yeah and is that because that kind of come from the script the comedy side or is that part of you because you seem like such a funny guy in yourself that is that kind of part of you bringing that humor or is that kind of come from the script may I say this <laughs> you know um again I grew up watching Laura and Hardy and people used to say what's wrong with your son you know, because I would sit and watch Laurel and Hardy all day, you know, it was, and Jerry Lewis, you know, and, 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 you know, great comics like that. And the, the innocent comedy of Laurel and Hardy is so exceptional, but if you watch it again and again and again and again, you feel the timing and comedy is timing. It's mm. all about timing. You know, if you miss the beat, you miss the gag. People won't laugh. You know, it's got a beat, and you get such a tiniest little gap to go boop. And if you miss it, 
then like because you know i would do it and i'd go I, i would go please can we just go one more time because i knew i missed it by a millimeter but it was good enough but i knew in my heart give me one more go Mm, I agree. Uh, so, yeah, the comedy is just yeah. timing and yeah, comedy's timing, luck yeah. almost sometimes. Yeah, and it's and it's all in there. It's what Rachel wrote. It's all in there, and she, she, you know, she didn't. She just let the reins go. Declan let the reins go because I knew, for, you know, I, luckily enough, I just, I got into Frank and I became Frank. So, you know, all of that all of those little moments um i just i would read it and read it and read it and read it and i would see that moment in the dialogue and go gotcha because i think that's part of what people certainly the fans on the the scarletier facebook group when we've talked about frank it's the the kind of the humorous side of him that people have kind of gone oh we we do really like him we know we don't want to and we probably shouldn't because of everything that happens but the humor that you kind of brought to the character is is almost what makes people have that slight love-hate relationship with him because he does kind of bring that that moment of I really I do I do kind of like you I do love you a bit there because you know there's a light-heartedness to him but at the same time you're like I really shouldn't (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was I was really disappointed when Frank turned out to be the bad guy because I was like oh man Frank yeah but did I did we hide it you know did you suspect or anything then I didn't no no that's that's great that's great yeah. But kind of looking back when I've rewatched it, yeah. there are certain bits where I kind of look at it and go, is Frank, is, has Frank really been playing it the whole time? Because there's yeah. certain scenes with Eliza and everything. And you think, is he really just trying to kind of yeah. twist the knife in to separate William and Eliza? Yeah. Because you can see what's going on and he, he needs to get rid of her. And, and William really isn't. Yeah. But yeah. It, it, it's lovely to, to rewatch and see it in a different light. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But do you, but you've got to watch it over and over again to capture that. But do you yes. know, I tell you how I did it. I convinced myself that I wasn't the baddie. Oh. I was like that. Oh, Frank, come on, me, old man. I was like, really like, oh, I just want to, there's the touch of Frank Spencer in there. Don't touch it. Yeah. No, I just get things wrong and, oh, no, like that. But never would I have that little seed in my head, right, I'm going to have you. Like that. None of that was, even though I could have played it like that way, mm-hmm. I, Danny and Frank played it one episode at a time that we're at, that I'm actually, you know, just, just, um, just the sidekick to the duke and you know and and this is the way it's going and you know i'm just a down on his luck type of guy until we got to until we got to six you know once we got to episode six then then i just you know i switched man i just and 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 you kind of see it all start to unravel a little bit and you can see he's starting to mess up because he's panicking and yeah it's lovely it's so lovely to watch Yeah, yeah thank you and and I, I love the relationship between William and, and Frank because it changes all the time. Because sometimes you kind of look at them and think they are kind of the best of friends. You look at them when they're having a drink in the pub and they're having a laugh and you just think these two, they're good old friends and things. But then at the same time, you also see them in a work 
kind of um, situation. And sometimes you think, poor Frank, he, he's been forgotten about. He's been a, he's a little bit hard done by, you know, when, when William's kind of going, right, you need to clear the cells out. And oh, that's yeah. not my job. Yeah. And, and it's lovely. How, how do you as an actor kind of approach those kind of relationships where you just kind of meet somebody and you've suddenly kind of got to be their best friend. Like, I always think that's really strange when you're kind of acting like somebody's best friend and you've probably never met them before or you've maybe spent 10 minutes together. How does that kind of work and how, how do you approach that? You, you, sh- well, how I approach it, I show complete respect for whoever I'm working with. You've got to, you know, and and you just you got to give and give and see this is from method from david what taught me you give and give and give and give and give in a scene and they can't help but give back and when i met Stuart, you know he's a he's a big fella i don't want to get on the wrong side of him (laughs) he he was just like how you doing and i was like i'm good man and we shook hands and we bonded straight away and i just i absolutely loved him you know and and even with you know some actors that you might not get on with I'm I just give them the most respect I can and just go listen in my mind this is a job we shake hands and we get we get on with it you know but you know some actors that, that can't do that and some actors that you know they they get a little bit nervous about other people around them that you know, might outshine them. I'm not that type of actor. I just want to work with someone because if I give and then they give, the scene won't fail. You know, you're just giving everything you got and you bond together and make it happen. You know, and if I ever fall out with an actor, which is really, really rare, and that's the truth. I at the end of the day is filming. I say, listen, if I if I upset you, there's my hand. I apologize. Let's shake hands and and move on. You know, I think that's yeah. happened twice in my career. The whole cast were lovely. Everybody in the cast, we we just got lucky. That whole cast were so lovely. I couldn't fault one single cast member. And I really, truly mean that. Everybody from the cast to the crew, everybody were just so lovely to work with. You know, and I, I, I give, I don't only give actors respect, I give essays you know supporting artists respect i got into trouble once i did a i did this series and um it was pouring a rain and the first day the second ad all the all the cast all the uh supporting artists were getting soaking wet and i went you come in my trailer <laughs> i let 15 people and we all stood inside my trailer out the rain and i and the second ad came over and just went you can't do that they've got to come and i said i said mate listen you go tell the first AD they can do that, all right? Because I'm not going to let these people. And it was pouring down, so he just he just he walked away. I shut the door and said, "Don't worry, you know we're all a family." Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. you get that. Some very very rarely, but sometimes you get that. And that was, you know, that was 15 years ago. This this job I'm talking about, but I wouldn't have it, you know. Yeah. yeah. You were talking about how you thought back to your youth when you were thinking about how to present Frank and his mannerisms to the older generation that you grew up with. Did you get any backstory or did you develop a backstory to your character to help you? Yes, I did. You've 
I'll go back to David again. You know, you've got to have, in my mind, whatever character that you take on, you must have a backstory. And, you know, I would, I was trained to go, okay, what plane does Frank fly? What car does Frank drive? What clothes does Frank wear? What does he eat? What whisk, what um, alcohol does he drink? Does he drink it neat? Does he drink it with ice? Does, is he, is he a beer drinker? Is he this? Is he that? And I went over and over and over and over. And I would pick colors from people that I know. And I would take that color. Like even today, when I talk to people, you know, somebody might do something and I'll go, that's really interesting. And I'll nick it and put it in my rucksack behind my invisible rucksack. And I'll, and I'll go, I won't forget that. And when I get into a character, I remember certain people in my life who I'll go, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'll put all of these things together. And as time goes on, the character just comes together. Because when I learned my lines, you know, for Frank, it was nothing like it until I actually shot the scene. Because before I were left to go to Ireland, I was like, I knew I had Frank 50%, 60%, but I wasn't Frank. I still wasn't him. And, um, but I grew a beard and I noticed that I was really growing this beard. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to have John's sideburns, you know, from the Sweeney. I see him with this. I see him with the sideburns. I never saw him with a moustache, um, but I saw the sideburns and, you know, Declan said, when I got over there, he said, Dan, we're going to shave your head, mate. And I was like, all right. <laughs> you know, I was, you know, because oh, I'm just up for anything, you know, with stuff like that. I'm like, Dan, I'll shave my head, man. Oh, all right, let's, come on, let's do it. Like, it's, yeah. I was <laughs> and um, and he's, he's, he's having a lot. I got into the costume and I went, you can shave my head. Like, <laughs> and they went, what? No. <laughs> I, I can imagine Frank with the bald head. I know. I know. I was like, no, please don't. Like this. Anyway, um, you know, they they when when I had the moustache and the sideburns, I went, I went, and that bit of the beard came off and the rest of my face was clean shaven. It really fitted like a glove, and I went, got him. This is mm-hmm. this is this is Frank. Yeah, what so was that, it like when you were wearing the gas mask costume? Was that really uh, hard? Uh, let me just tell when I put that mask on, it was, it was Danny that was in a, in a tank full of water. And it was Frank who felt very dangerous and violent and threatening and ready to kill people. It was, it was very weird. There was a split in me. You know, I was like that. Oh God, put, I put the mask on. I was like, but then when we're like, turn over, I just went, I just went, I could hear myself breathing. And I, you know, and then I just, I felt, you know, the, the bad side of Frank come out straight away. So yeah. Yeah. The was, mask and the whole mask outfit was very frightening to the whole yeah. Scarlet world. As soon as that character came on, when yeah. it was, episode five and it was Declan but also when you were in there it just was a whole different vibe and just... Declan Declan sat at the table with the mask on yes and yeah it was me <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you I was like that's him. not me 
Oh, no. <laughs> He's like, oh, shut up. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, it was just he like. He got the oh, easy part. It. Yeah, yeah. He's, oh, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. <laughs> I love him. I love him. So, yeah. Did you see anything out of it? Do I, sorry? Could you see anything out of the mask? Because I've had to dress up as a Bertie Bassett character before. And I couldn't see a single thing. And so I was just wondering, can you, could you see it much out of that mask and things? Because of, because of the net around the eye, right? Yeah. Yeah. What I would do is I, I just pinpointed one area and, um, and really tried to stare at that area. But the mask was a little bit loose. And, um, and, I, and I said to, I said, I've forgotten who I said it to, but I said, am I, am I looking at Kate? Am I looking at Stuart? Can, can they see I'm looking at her? And they went, yeah, you're looking at a why? I went, because I can't see a bloody thing. <laughs> I said, I'm looking out of it, but I can just, I can just, I'm pinpointing an area where I can see, but is it them? And they're like, yes, Danny, you're looking at them. I was like, okay, thank you. It is it's so impossible to be able to see out of those things. Yeah. Uh, I was having to walk around an office doing it. And honestly, somebody had to make sure I didn't bump into tables and things. I know. Do you know? You see, I'm I, I'm so naughty. My neighbours hate me um, because, <laughs> sure because they don't. yeah, my neighbour, my neighbour Patrick, like you know, he'll come down the stairs of the morning and to put his rubbish in the bins, and I'll and I'm in the other bin, <laughs> and I'm waiting for him, you know. And this is all true, like that. And he'll open the bin, and I can hear him talking to himself, and I get that today, and like that. And he'd lift up the bin, and I would burst out the bin and go, "Hello, good morning," like that. <laughs> fly up in the air, and go, and the air was blue, and you know, I I love doing that sort of stuff. And we, te- he, he then got into it and said, "I'm going to get Danny," and you know, and he'd got me a few times, but it was just I love doing stuff like that, you know, because my family they're all jokers, they all love to play. My dad's worse than everybody. He just jokes and teases and plays and, you know, and he'll, he'll, he'll just grab your ankle. As old as he is, he's so naughty like that sort mm-hmm. of thing. But, but that's, you know, I, I try to add that sense of humor in Frank, you know, that, that that's, that's what he loves to do. Yeah. But yeah. We're just, 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 just play, just playing all the time. Hmm. Um, so that story about the, the gas mask costume was really great and you're not seeing Kate and Stuart properly. Do you have any other fond memories me, of filming? Well, the, let me just go back to that. That was actually my whole story because that's why <laughs> I wanted to take that gas mask. That's why I was telling you about Patrick. I actually forgot why the reason why I was telling you that story. But uh, <laughs> because I love to like make people, not make people really jump, but you know, people who can handle it. But that's why I was like, if I can take that gas mask home, then I can wait in the hallway for Patrick (laughs) (laughs) and stuff like that. That's what I wanted. That's why I wanted it. But they, but they, they wouldn't let me take it. You know, yeah. And I don't blame them because it was expensive, you know, and, um, and it is frightening because I, you know, I would have got everybody with it. I loved it. So, sorry. What was the next question? (laughs) Do you have any other fond memories of filming? Yes, I do. Um, one of the one of the uh, makeup artists, she I love her to bits. Um, and I told Elaine that I'm 
that I'm going to wait for her. And she went shopping. So I got under, because they all have their own areas of makeup, you know, hair and makeup. And I got under her sink and, and I put a, a towel over the sink and I waited for her. And she came back with a sandwich and a coffee and she sat down on her chair. And I grabbed this woman's ankle like never before. And she <laughs> flew. She went straight up in the air and screamed because I just went, <laughs> and all I heard, because I couldn't see her, all I heard was, <laughs> and Elaine, Elaine was crying in laughter and she had such a great sense of humor. She gave me a cuddle after and, you know, she, and then they wanted to get me. So it was kind of like, we're going to scare Danny. But it was just moments like that that I just loved offset, you know. We'd have so much fun offset. It was great. Great story. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to get in trouble for telling you. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> nah, I'll be all right. So um, your your list of other roles is, is amazing. And, and you've worked with some amazing names, some of them that you've mentioned. What other kind of favorite projects have you, have you worked on other than, of course, Miss Scarlet, which is uh, our favorite? Um Oh, um, I did. I did a movie once called Fast Food, um, and it was with Dougie Henshaw and Gerard mm-hmm. Butler. And we, you know, I'm still an unknown, but they were unknown. Well, G- um, Dougie Henshaw wasn't unknown. Emily Wolf was the lead, and um, and we shot that movie for forty eight thousand pounds, and. At one point, they lost power to all the lights and everything, and we we charged the scene off of a off of a car battery, and um and we just had enough lighting to shoot the scene, and um it was it didn't matter what the time was, what the out you know how hard you worked, it was it was it was one of my favourite jobs to do, you know and. And Jerry, actually, Ger- Gerard, um, he went on and did a few other films. And now he's a Hollywood movie star, you know, and rightly so. He's lovely. He's doing great. And I'm so proud of him. Other than phenomenal acting, what do you like to fill your time with? Rowing, whittling, tap dancing lessons? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Moving your parents? Uh, well, I love... I I do love having a good old chat with my with my mum and dad on the phone and cracking jokes and doing this. But I I'm I, I'm always watching. Even now, I've got the whole set of Lauren Hardy. I I watch Lauren Hardy over and over and over again. And by watching, I used to love Stan, and now I love Oliver even more. Like they're both as great as each other. And um and I I see the films in different ways from when I used to. Um, but other than that, I'm at the gym at the moment. I've lost, I think I've lost about a stone and a half uh, from training and I'm, I'm doing a lot of push-ups. So I'm, I'm working out a hell of a lot more than I, than I used to, you know? Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's what's taken up my time at the moment, just trying to get in really good shape. Okay. I want to be like Stuart. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yeah, we there's a stretching machine in there as well, so I can try <laughs> and get six or whatever he is. 
the beast of a man. I'm so jealous. <laughs> well, we were going to ask you what other what other character if you could have picked another character to play on the show, what would you pick? And we kind of figured you'd you'd go for Duke. Um, oh, that's a good one. Uh, well, does it have to be a man? No, it could be anyone. I don't know, you know. I think I would just love to play Frank. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, fits I, you perfectly. Yeah, I just don't... Uh, there wasn't... There wasn't another character that I would... If I had to pick what character to play, it would have been Frank. Yeah. Good answer. Excellent answer. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you, you mentioned earlier about backstory and, and our Scarleteers uh, on the Facebook group have, have definitely enjoyed creating our own kind of little backstory for, for Frank. Um, yeah. And Trina, who's in the group, uh, was creating a bit of a backstory about was, was Frank a good copper who got passed over for promotions, hence the reason he turned to crime? Did you ever kind of think why why did Frank go and do this? Why why did he get himself involved in the forgery gang? Frank was unlucky. In his lifetime, he was just unlucky. He was up for promotion and he was up for this and up for that, and he just didn't get to the top of the tree. And he should have in some ways, but he didn't. And I think over the years that made him a little bit more bitter, a little bit more, a little bit more. And in the end, he just went, I've had enough of this. I've, I actually feel being used. So, you know, and he wanted the good life and he just he just changed over time. For me, that's what I think happened. Yeah. So there's a lot of speculation about Frank's wife as well. So we ask ourselves, did she really leave him? Yes, 100%. <laughs> well, there's speculation that he might have killed her or something. Or the other speculation is, could she have been the brains of the whole operation? No, absolutely not. No. <laughs> okay. No, no. That's she, the answer. I, yeah, she, went, she said, oh, I've had enough of this toe rag and she's off. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Frank. Because Frank... If you watch the way Frank is in the pub with Stuart and he, uh, with the Duke and he tells, you know, the Duke that, that she's left him and, you know, he, he, Frank gets emotional there because, because it, it obviously had a lot to drink, but it was like, he really loved her and it's just another now in the coffin, you know, and he's, he was bitter about it and, you know, she's had enough of him, you know, you get, you know you've got to keep the spice in a relationship you know you've got to keep keep the good stuff and you've got to scare your wife and wait for her under the sink and because <laughs> yeah. i've done that you know i used to i used to go out with this girl called amanda and um and she came up the steps like she, i heard her get I, I i was like three in the morning heard her get out the bed and um and i went where you going I was, oh, i'm down downstairs she went downstairs she got a glass of milk and I got out of the bed and I waited at the top of the landing. <laughs> and she came up the stairs and as she turned around the corner, I grabbed her ankle and I went, hello, good evening. And the milk went all over me. Because, <laughs> I mean, she didn't move, but the milk just shook in her hand. And, you know, and it's, you got you know, you got to do, have fun. You know, you got to do these things sometimes until you get really told off. And then, you, you know, you got to behave yourself. But 
yeah, Frank, Frank just had a really b- bad time, and he's he's unlucky. And he's got it's written all over his face. He's unlucky. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just the way it went for him. Um, another theory is if Frank could somehow avoid the gallows, how do you think he would come back? And do you think he would have revenge on William and Eliza? Oh, um, listen, if if they were to ever bring me back, I would love to. I would love to escape from prison because don't forget, Frank knows where all the gold is. Mm-hmm. He knows where everything is. He's a multi, multi-rich man. But he can't touch it. <laughs> he can't get hold of it. You know why he can't get hold of it, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> he's he is unlucky. Yeah, but if he if if he was to like, I would love the Duke just to say, "We've got some news. What's wrong?" Frank Jenkins escaped from prison last night, and then, you know, then um. Yeah, maybe I would, you know, but I, I love the Duke, even though I, even though there's a, there's a big side of Frank that loves him, you know, he's, he, I wouldn't need to go after Eliza and the Duke. They would probably be coming after me. Do you think Frank would come to William and ask for forgiveness? Like, sorry, William, I didn't mean to hurt you. It was uh, just business. Oh. instead of revenge that's, that's nice. an, that that would be another storyline i mean we could all throw storylines out there you know there's yeah. another one there's another one where the, the duke gets into real big problems with a huge fish and he's the only one that knows this huge fish back to front is frank from years ago so they might go frank we need you to help us mm. you know come out and and help us there's another storyline i mean whatever storyline or you just let sleeping dogs lie whatever the whatever it is rachel will if rachel wanted to do that or came up saying she would come up with the right way she's that she would she's really good she's wonderful what a wonderful writer yeah and she leaves you be you know she just she just lets you do it she's terrific i loved working with her so we, we have some kind of fan questions that we usually um end the the podcast with this one's a bit more of a thought rather than a question but um elaine torpy she says the actor portraying frank was very good especially when eliza was involved there was a real rivalry for william's attention you knew he cut the corners and was involved in some shady stuff but i was so disappointed that he turned out to be the murderer however that was the natural flow do you think um Frank was kind of vying for William's attention when it came to Eliza, or do you think he was just trying to get Eliza out of the way? Uh, no, I, I, um, I, I think that Frank, there was a bit, of, there was jealousy there, but there was a lot of, she's a woman and she doesn't even have the right to step into the prison. Who does she think she is? You know, that is the attitude that, you know, it's all men and we know how to do it. We're the lads. We can take care of the dangerous side of things. But and Frank just couldn't have it in his head that she was smarter than the, than everybody. You know, so there was there was there was a lot of jealousy there. You know, it's always been me and the Duke. It's always the Duke and I. That's it. Me and him. You know, we're a team. And then 
me and him are Starsky and Hutch of the old days. And then you've got someone else getting involved, you know? So Frank was just extremely jealous in my eyes. Diana Miller asks thoughts on episode five. I assume Frank knew Eliza was at the prison. What were his plans for her? I wonder. Was there ever a backstory of what Frank was going to do with her? Eliza at the prison? Any thoughts? Not really, to be honest. I mean, he knew he, he knew she was there. He was running the whole operation. He would have definitely got rid of her. You know, mm-hmm. he'd have definitely taken her out. He may have used her as a as a, uh, you know, as a hostage or something like that in later episodes or, you know, later on down the line. Otherwise, he'd have killed her already. But, you know, he's kept her in, in, in my head, he, he kept her in a cell for, as a, as a safety for him. Yeah. You know, imagine if Frank got caught, caught out with everything, but everybody, you know, and I'm just saying, listen, let me go and I'll tell you where she is. You know, it's, it was that sort of, otherwise he would have got rid of her you know, be way before that. She'd definitely be a good bargaining chip for, for William, wouldn't she? That's that's how I saw it, you know, how I was seeing it in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, he'd have just popped her off, but, he, you know, he didn't. We have one final fan question uh, from Kelly Aronis, and we weren't sure if you can really ask this, if if you ever thought about this, but a lot of people are wondering why Tilly had seen Frank creeping up the stairs to Eliza's house. What did Frank do there? Why was he there? Yeah, I, I have an answer to this. Uh, Danny, okay. hold on. <laughs> I think Frank was creeping up the stairs because he wanted to scare Eliza when she was getting milk. Is that the answer? That's the one. <laughs> That's I the one. It. I knew it. I got it. I knew it. <laughs> Yeah, he was just, I'm just playing. <laughs> yeah, what's that about? Paying attention. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. He just wanted to scare her. God, thanks, Kelly. Sorry, that's the, sorry. That's the answer, darling. I couldn't resist. Yeah, no, that's the answer. He just wanted to scare her. That's it. I'm sticking with that. Finally, the mystery solved. Yay. Yes. <laughs> Tilly ruined the great surprise. Darn it, Tilly. Tilly's the number one. I love her. Thank you, Tilly. (laughs) Brilliant, brilliant, guys. So before we end this brilliant podcast, I really think this is one of our best episodes ever. Yes. Uh, We have to have a little ad block. (laughs) We have to. Yeah, do a little advertising for our Facebook page. Uh, there's the Scarleteers podcast Facebook page. And please give us a follow or a like. And of course, you can find Scarleteers on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Just look for at Scarleteers. And if you want to have more information, even more information, you can go to our website, which is scarleteers.wordpress.com. And you can find everything about the actors, about the team behind Miss Scarlet and the Duke and background information on Victorian times. And we have uh, fan fiction there. So everything you never knew you wanted to know, you'll find it there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And Danny, thank you so much for doing this. We are so happy you joined us. 
My pleasure. I've, yeah. I'll always, I'll always do this. So I think you guys are fantastic, and thank you for having me. Thank, thank you, you for so much for joining Frank us. To life. Yeah, I've got to learn how to leave the. Oh yeah, leave. It's all right. I'm, I'm not worried. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so join us next time, Scarlet Tears listener, for uh, Victorian true crime. We've got a good one going. We love true crime. We love Victorian true crime. We love Miss Scarlet. So it'll be a good one. So, yeah. So See you next time. See you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you you very much, ladies. Have a nice evening. Bye, Danny. Bye, Danny. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Scarlet Tears podcast. Music by Kevin McLeod. Incomatech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribute 4.0. License HTTP colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0 forward slash.